Hey everybody, it is Chris from the Running Rogue Podcast. I'm here with Steve joining me. Hey Steve. Hello everyone. We are recording episode number one, week one, of our first ever virtual podcast training program. Super excited about it. This one is going to go out to the full audience so everybody can hear it, but we'll be taking this down to a member page for those that actually decided to pay and join the program. For those that haven't signed up yet, you can check out information on the program. We'll be training people for spring marathons between Boston, which is in mid-April, and then the first weekend in May, Vancouver, or any other version of marathons in that range from basically April 15th until May 6th. If you're training for a race during that time, we'd love to help you get ready. So check out the link on it at roguerunning.com forward slash podcast training. You can also hear us talk about it a little bit more in episode 50 at the one hour and 56 mark if you want to learn a little bit more from our voices. So we're super excited about this. We've already got 12 people signed up and we're hoping to get at least 20 or 25 in the program. So do jump in. We are Excited because we have a huge range of folks. We've got somebody signed up from the UK. We've got somebody from Canada, a couple from New York, from other places in the US. So it's it's cool for us to see that reach. And we really appreciate those who've already signed up. We're excited to get you started here with week one. This episode will be a little bit longer than most as we kind of cover off on some philosophy points early on. We want to talk a little bit about how we're going to be approaching this program and what to expect from a macro level, then we're going to be talking about some logistics, what you need to kind of get access to the information to help you follow along. And then we'll go into program information, what you can expect from sort of the week to week training schedule. And finally, we'll talk about week one, what to do in this initial week as we go. Steve, before we jump into kind of overall philosophy, just how you feeling about this? Give me a little bit on your excitement level for this program. Yeah, I I think this is uh, it, I feel like a like I'm getting ready to coach all starting this whole coaching thing all over again. And uh, you know, Chris, we've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a really long time, and um, it's always fun to have new and distinct challenges. I uh, personally, I'm going this. I leave tomorrow morning to go on a plane to fly to the California International Marathon to see my team, Rogue Athletes, slay it. We're hoping that we get great results. We're as prepared for any race as we've ever been. And I'm really excited about having an experience in Boston with the, any of the people that listen to this podcast and being able to share with them some of the things that we do from the start to the finish of this and to do it with folks who I don't see every single day or every other day. Um, I'm just really excited. I think it's something that can be, not only is it going to be fun for you and I, um, but I think, and valuable for our listeners, but I also think um, it's something that... Uh, could really kind of be a game changer in the way that uh, Rogue does what we do. And uh, I'm really hoping that this turns out to be not in the long run necessarily lucrative from a financial standpoint, but more another way for us to connect community because people who live in Austin know that Rogue, while we are badasses and we do like to get great results, um, we're really about creating community and consistency and having team. And I'm really excited to see how Team Podcast turns out. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have Rogues team members now in many other places, which is super cool. And hopefully we'll get to meet some of you as we fly to some of these races, including those who are in Boston. Steve and I will both be there, mm -hmm. and we will be inviting anyone who's there to our pre-race talk so you get a little bit from us in person. As we jump into this, Steve, first of all, this is all new to us, so... One th point we need to make is that we're learning as we go. We've done coaching for a long time, but we've never coached through a podcast. We've done a little bit of virtual coaching, but that hasn't been our primary mode of coaching. Primarily, we've, we've coached face-to-face -face when we can see athletes every week do workouts and runs with us. So this is going to be a little bit new as we reach into the airwaves, so to speak, <laughs> to do some coaching. So, so it'll be a fun experiment and something that we'll kind of learn and adapt as we go so we definitely ask for patience and feedback as we go so we can continue to refine this approach as we work through each week with the program but let's start first with philosophy i want to make sure that those that are doing the program and those that 
might consider the program either now or later, understand where we're grounding this, what are our key kind of overarching principles and approach to this training program. And obviously it goes without saying that all the training principles that we talked about on this podcast so far, including those especially in episodes 1, 7, 10, and 15, where we talk about our training principles, are going to be core, front and center and if you expected something different from us <laughs> for this program, then you're then you're buying the wrong thing. As I like to say, <laughs> this shit ain't changing. Yeah. So the one thing we have in our ex- years of experience in coaching is knowing that the key principles that we're going to be talking about today really, really work. And you're not going to convince us otherwise. So if you're in the position that says you want a low volume, high intensity program, um, there's go look for another place to go get those kinds of things. Intensity, yes, we'll have, but low volume. We're not going to be suggesting that. Of course, as we've talked about before, and we'll, and we'll get into the real, de- real details here, volume is individually based, but the, the basics, these things that we're going to tell you about, um, if you keep hoping that maybe we can change or you can articulate ways for us to change, uh, doubtful. Right. <laughs> yes. So if you haven't already listened to episodes 1, 7, 10, and 15, where we talk about those training principles and... Inclusive of that, the, the point that miles matter, that recovery is important, that consistency is king, that running by feel and effort is more important than necessarily be di- being dialed into a certain pace. And then, of course, we train people to peak, and that might be something that's a little different from those that have been in other programs where maybe they're trying to be a certain fitness all the time. What we're trying to get you ready for is a command performance on a given day in April or early May. And so we've got a periodized program for you that will prepare you to go for it without a plan B on that day. Yeah, we certainly won't be doing four miles every day, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's important to buy into that idea if you're signing up with us that this is all about a day running a marathon in April or May and we're going to be designing this program to get you absolutely razor sharp for that time frame. The other thing, of course, to mention here in terms of our overall approach is that we believe the mind-body connection is huge. And obviously, we have our mental training series that we've talked about on this podcast and many of you may have already listened to. But that's going to be an integral part of this program is working not only the body and applying the training principles that we've talked about, but also working some of the mental training elements that you've heard about. We're going to have you do some homework, those that are in the program, to to prepare the mind as well. And so this is not just about a physical training program. This is also about working your mind. And if, and if you're afraid to d- dive into the deep recesses of your, of your subconscious, then <laughs> you may also be in the wrong program. Yeah, you know, I, think, I do think that, the, that we will be gentle in our introductions and we will don't don't think we're suddenly going to take you into the corner and start you know put you on the couch and 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 ask you the most intimate details of your life but um we're pretty good at uh slowly but surely pulling our athletes into the kind of frame of reference where they are willing and see the value of this mental training i had an experience just yesterday in my one-on-ones with my athletes running CIM where somebody basically said to me again, who I've been coaching for a while, I don't go in for all that mental training stuff. And uh, by the end of our one-on-one, <laughs> um, little did they know that they just went in and did mental training stuff. I just had to shift. School was in session. It was. I just had to turn it around a little bit and use a little bit of a different phraseology. And uh, and all of a sudden, by the end of it, they were like, yeah, I'll work on my mantra. <laughs> right. But I, was, I didn't call it a mantra anymore. Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, it's interesting. So. Yes. Well, we may have to do some Jedi mind tricks on yeah. others, but... That's going to be a big part of this, the mind as well as the body. We're going to have you working on things like your purpose and then talking about things like mantras as you just referenced. So that'll be a part of this. And if you haven't already listened, listened to at least episodes six and 11, the first two in our mental training episode, in our mental training series, I would encourage that. So kind of point one over overarching philosophy is these the kind of training principles we've talked about will apply. Point two, this is a mind body program, not just a body program. Point three I want to make is that we're going to challenge you. It's this, I mean, we, we don't shy away 
from giving you hard shit. And part of the reason why you started Rogue Steve in 2004 is because you believed, well, and really before that with Runtex University, you believed that the available off-the-shelf programming for everyday runners was generally watered-down bullshit, sort of couched in the fact that the everyday athlete can't handle the same programming or the same stresses that an elite athlete can handle. And obviously the paces are different, but we believe that you can challenge yourself in the same ways and oftentimes do the same workouts or sometimes do harder workouts. I remember there were days when Team Rogue, your adult athletes, did harder workouts than your Rogue Athletic Club athletes who were training for the U.S. championships. So we're going to challenge you. We won't give you anything that you can't handle in some way or work through, but it's going to be hard and there's going to be some workouts where you think, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, on paper, they'll scare you. But if you stay with us, um, we'll get you there. And and we do a few things, Chris, as well that, um, you know, are going to be unconventional and certainly not in the uh, the literature that you'll read if you buy an off the bookshelf off the shelf book for about training. So, um, not that we not that you know one of the funny things and I think about this all the time is that all the great coaches. And by great, I don't mean the people who coach really, really fast people, but people who are really, really good coaches. We're all writing a very similar system. But the but the devil's in the details, and the details for us are to challenge our athletes physically, mentally, and spiritually, and also to stretch where their, where their weak spots are. And it's just interesting how the schedules that we write for our athletes, somewhere along the line in our program, we have nearly every one of our athletes tell us, I don't know if I can do that. Whether it's the distance or the speed or where it sat in the cycle and those things. And how many times have your athletes not been able to do it? I would probably could count on my hand in 30 years of experience. On two hands, I could say people who couldn't do it, assuming they came with the approach and the proper mentality. So, um, yeah, and, and usually do it. And, and, and we're all and we're really confident that you don't have you can fake it till you make it with us early on it, it, it I believe me you can and will by that I mean that you don't have you can be critical and sort of hold withhold judgment on whether you're completely buy in within the first three or four weeks Chris but by the time we get to mid-February you know we really need to be we, we need to be all bought in and you need to be ready to go not not that we don't want you to buy in from the very beginning but more along the lines of we we believe you'll see the method to the madness and that there's something there that's really making some appreciable physiological changes and combined with the mental training also to go with that a level of confidence a level of of commitment and a level of ability to stay focused through long periods and long bouts to be much great much greater so and it's periodized. So at first you might think, well, this is easy. They told me this was going to be Super hard. Super soft. It will <laughs> so, seem very easy. So they're yes. going to think that it's easy, but we build you up for the big hard stuff. So stay with us on that. The last point that I'll make, and you may have others, Steve, is that it's going to be really important that those that sign up and do this with us trust us and sort of set aside perhaps some pre-existing belief systems about how training should be or the coaching that they've had before. They kind of leave that aside and just say, look, for this cycle, for this period of five months or so, I'm going to listen to what Steve and Chris say and, and maybe drown out anybody else that I might listen to as an advisor and try to follow the plan and see what happens. Give us your trust for these five months. We believe that we can take you to cool and new places and smash goal big goals but you do have to to buy in and give us your trust which can be hard for some i uh, yeah i think that uh, i'm i'm hoping that this crew is a little bit of preaching to the choir at this point given the fact that we've been doing this podcast for a year and i don't think we're going to surprise a whole lot of people they've heard a little bit of the inklings of our workouts they've heard a little bit of our uh our pretty unconventional style and um and remember too this is the first time that Chris and I will have coached together. I mean, we have, in a sense, we co-coach you, right, <laughs> right. in a big way. Right, right. And in many ways, you 
co-coach many of my Team Rogue athletes when we're, we're out there. But this is the first time where we'll be arm wrestling over which session to put on which day because, Chris, you write your own schedule, and yeah. you have your own way of looking at it, and I write my own schedule, and I have my way of looking at it. But you're going to get a, you're getting a co-coached experience with two coaches who are different, and that means that in a, in a, lot, of really, in a lot of really cool ways – Almost every, almost every things that you might miss based on predisposition and the way that you coach and, and history with coaching, things that you might miss, you will, I'll catch. And things that I might miss, you'll catch. And I think this may be one of the best programs Rogue has ever put together. Of course, it's a little early to be, you know, counting our <laughs> counting coup here, but I do think that. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited is that these these listeners are gonna get a really unique experience. And I think at the end of the day. I mean, the value of what we're producing here and providing for these folks, um, it is, it is going to go well beyond the amount of money that they actually paid to walk down this road with us. So. I believe that to be true as well. We've got the yin and the yang, Dr. Jekyll and exactly. Mr. Hyde Exactly. Here. So it's going to be interesting as we meld our styles, and I think that will give more depth for those that follow along in the journey with us. So those are the points I had on overall philosophy. Am I missing anything, Steve? No. Um you and I did a little prep before this, but we are, but we are in our typical way winging it a bit. So I'm going to ask you a question: Are you going to cover um, philosophy on injury or incidents of injury and how to approach that from a perspective? Were you planning on that? Because if you didn't, then I'd like to talk to uh, it about it just a bit. My plan was to cover it at some point, but not in this first one. But go ahead and I only want to make it an uh, overall caveat yep, here. Yep. Um, and this is something that really should be listened to for those people who are on the fence about deciding about whether to to do this or not. Um, I really think it's really important from the outset that athletes realize because of these things that we just told you, we train hard, that there's a chance that if athletes are stretching too far, not hitting the mileage at the right time, not doing other things, and not following our structures, that you can get hurt. Um, I'm really confident that if people follow our program and stick to the volume requirement, volume recommendations we make and stick to the taking the hard days hard and their easy days easy, that they'll come through this really healthy. And there will be some times, I think, Chris, where they're going to fear that, that maybe we're doing a little too much. But I'm, I'm really confident that if you follow the program and follow the plan, you'll stay injury-free. But that doesn't mean that there's not a risk. And, sure. Chris, you and I are not going to shy away from the fact that it takes hard work to get where we are. Now, you know, we had a whole episode on injuries, that, and, and we'll go back on this in, in a little bit. But the thing I want to tell folks, uh, if you're in a place right now where you're injured or you're nursing an injury, um, if you're already signed up, then we need to know about that on the Facebook page, and we need to get that clear and know where we're at. Number two, if you haven't signed up, um, I might not <laughs> because – we aren't going to build, do a huge base building process in this. We're not going to do things that we might. We're going to go right into a marathon training. We're going to have a four-week little base period to be introductory period that we're doing. But after that, we're going to be full on. And so if your volume isn't where it needs to be and you're, you know your sweet spot is at 40 miles a week and you're right now at 15 miles a week, you know, this might, this might, it might, the timing might not quite be right. So the, I only say all that stuff in the caveat of injury because so frequently, Chris, what we see is folks get injured because they're ramping up too quick or they're doing quality workouts they're not ready for, not because they can't handle the load, but more along the lines because they're doing other stuff. So I'm sure we'll go into that in an entire episode, but I just wanted to make that clear about is this, is this podcast training right now for me right now? If you're banged up and hurt, it's, it might not be because we're going to be, we're going to be moving and work out one. So it's important. Absolutely. That was a good preamble. All right. So let's talk quickly. And for those that are already signed up, this stuff will be coming to you very soon. But we've got just a, a brief bit here on logistics, what you can expect from the program. Basically, there's going to be two primary means for us to get you information from week to week. The first means will be a member page dedicated to this program that you alone, that sign up will have access to through your login through our website. That member page will have on it primarily two things. One, your overall training macro, which we'll talk about in a second. That training macro will include a day-by-day -day schedule for all three levels of what you should be doing every day of the program. We'll talk a little bit 
in a section in a second about what that macro will look like, how to modify it for your own purposes, etc. But that training macro for the entire training cycle will be published and posted on that member page. The second thing that will be on the member page will be these weekly podcasts. Obviously, this first one, as I mentioned, is going out to our entire audience. But everyone from here on out, uh, from episode two in this series to the very end, will be on that member page with only access given to those that are signed up to the program. And you'll be able to log in there and listen to it or download it to your machine and listen to it that way. We're going to try to communicate primarily through that podcast and through the macro and any other notes that we that we post on the member page, except for the other component of this, which is we have a dedicated Facebook group for those that are in the program. You'll get an invite for those that are signed up shortly if you haven't already. And that will be our means to both communicate information out and answer questions, but also give you an opportunity to communicate back with us as well as communicate with others that are in the program and perhaps share war stories or successes as we go through the program. So we're going to try to create a little bit of community amongst those that are in this program so that you can be in solidarity with others that are that are following along in the journey with us. As a part of that, we'll ask that if you have questions, that you ask those, even if they're individual questions, through the Facebook page so that everybody can get the benefit of the answer because even if it's a specific question like, hey, I need to move my long run to this day because I'm traveling, it might be helpful for others to see the rationale in our answer so that they, when they have that question at some point, can get that answered. So we're going to ask that you funnel those questions through the Facebook page and we'll answer them either on the Facebook page or perhaps sometimes in the weekly podcast. So that's a little overview of logistics. If you have any questions about that as you get in or can't access something or can't get on the Facebook page or the member page or whatever it may be, do email me, Chris at Rogue Running, and I can make sure you're connected. And you and I will be co- co-attacking those questions. So right. sometimes we'll either one of us or the other will answer because we get to it first. Sometimes it'll be because Chris or I think that 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 the answer is best answered by one of the two of us depending and um other times it may just be that uh that we're both one of us is more interested in that topic or not interested in that topic so um and and as as somebody asked us um whether we were going to be doing one-on-ones or doing um sort of individual coaching through this and we're really not except that you have the ability to ask those questions on the facebook page and we'll answer them they're just going to be generally available for the entire team and we we're going to be really adamant about that um it doesn't mean that we wouldn't answer individual questions on logistics through email and other things but we're going to send you right back to that facebook page and get you to do that stuff there because we really want we think that that's part of what community creates and that's how you build community and so um when people ask me questions on tuesdays and thursdays in my team road group nearly everybody's hearing that or many of them are hearing it and it and it spreads through the group as the answers do and to me it's so much more valuable when that happens so um keep that in mind that this program is doesn't have a one-on-one individual athlete coaching experience Um, we may provide some opportunities for that and we could talk about that later but right now our plan is especially in this first month to roll it all in that first in that on that facebook on that member page and really get into a vibrant, moving, exciting thing. Something you can look at every day. So, and our goal is to equip you with the information you need from week to week, building on the library of information and tips as we go so that you can make individual decisions and become somebody who's not necessarily dependent on us to answer every question because you learn our framework, you learn our principles that we use to apply in your own training And if you have those questions, putting them out there on the page allows you to get the answer, but also everybody else to develop their internal decision-making engine for how to guide yourself in this kind of a program. So it's all a part of the method in the madness. One thing to note before we move to our next topic, which is kind of what the macro and training schedule will look like, is I do want to mention that on the weekly podcast, our hope is that this one will obviously be longer, but our hope is that Those will be about 30 minutes, so fairly digestible. We're going to be releasing them on Sundays so that you kind of start the week with everything you need to know for that week in training. And in those podcasts, we'll be talking about the week week of training, what to expect from both the quality workout and the long run. We'll be giving you instructions on how to execute 
those workouts in those weekly podcasts. And then we'll be talking about tips that we'll kind of build as we go that are kind of appropriate for the time and, and, and place in the program that we're at, as well as, of course, answering any questions verbally that we might want to spend more time on on that podcast. So that'll be about 30 minutes to kind of start your week on Sundays. Yeah, we won't be stretching them to an hour and a half. We hope not. <laughs> yeah, we, we should probably <laughs> not make too bold a we'll ha- prognostication. We'll have to, we'll have to be disciplined <laughs> Yes, about we that. will. So that's what you'll expect from the weekly podcast. Okay, so kind of third chapter of this episode, we want to talk about the training macro and generally what you can expect. So as I mentioned on that member page that you'll have access to, we'll have essentially three training schedules. One for our level one athletes, which will be more for those that might just be looking to finish a marathon. We'll have some for level two athletes, which will be more of an intermediate marathoner who maybe has some experience but can't handle the volume that maybe the advanced athlete can handle. And then the advanced athlete will be our kind of most aggressive program. And so you'll have three different training schedules that shows you basically what you should do on every day leading up to your target marathon in the spring. As we dive into that, we'll talk in a second about how that schedule will kind of look. But before we get there, Steve, I wanted to talk about the levels. Because some people will ask, well, what level? I've already had that question. What level should I choose? So how should people think about determining where they fit on the kind of level one, two, or three? So the first suggestion I'm going to make is going to seem a little counterintuitive and a little bit weird. But don't make a decision right off the bat in a sense, because you're going to be able to see all three of them. Now, if you're really a your first time marathoner and your weekly mileage is in the 15 to 20 to mile a week range, you're probably more suited for that beginner level because you want to, you, the, the workouts are going to be longer and harder and more difficult to manage in the advanced. But generally, I think that that, that the, the, there's, there are going to be people who are knowing that they're advanced. There's going to be people who know that they're beginners. And I guess what I'm saying is those people who are sort of in between should be in a position of maybe early on sort of moving towards the beginner side of it and then later as they see a facility and they're able to do the workouts, maybe move. But my first statement is don't pigeonhole yourself right away. That's one of the things why we do in our training groups is to not put people in pace groups because we know that different people adapt at different times. People have a basic facility that's greater than others. And so don't pigeonhole yourself right off the bat by saying, I'm absolutely doing this from the beginning of the program to the end of the program. However, with that stated... Um, conservative is better than aggressive. Um, we're going to go through how to build volume and where your sweet spot is with volume as, as topics here. Um, but some of this is going to be basically volume-based, Chris. There's just no doubt about it. If you're somebody who's running 20 to 25 miles a week, 20, 20, 20 to 25 miles a week, it's probably not really going to be, there's almost assuredly you're not going to, you're going to get, you're not going to be able to do the advanced level because there's going to be longer runs there. There's going to be longer, lo- medium long runs there. There's going to be pieces of the puzzle there. The ranges will be greater. So um, the first is probably a volume-based thing. Experience, number one. Number two is volume-based thing. Um, I don't know. What else am I missing? Those, to me, are the primary things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the only kind of related point is what's your goal? You know, if you have a goal that's, hey, I just want to finish and have a good time and have a good experience, the beginner level, by the way, isn't going to be true beginner level. I mean, it's going to be kind of beginning rogue slash Steven Chris level, which is still more aggressive than <laughs> most intermediate programs that you might just pull off the Internet. So it's it's going to be doable for everybody who's in that camp of, hey, I just want to finish. But you're still going to be doing quality work. You're still going to get challenged. You're still going to get pushed. So, you know, is that your goal or is your goal to get a really specific time and if that time is close to what you think your overall potential might be, you might need to be, you know, think about whether advanced or intermediate is better for you, depending on how aggressive you need to be related to getting to your goal, if it's aggressive. So, yeah, absolutely. And I also think that the, um, the if depending on the, the mix and the, and the makeup of the people that we get in this group, we may jettison a group altogether. If we don't have really beginners, then we might not have a beginner program. If we don't, you know, we're going to have intermediate advance for sure. The question is where we sit there. So a lot of it will also depend on where our folks are. Now, the macro won't look different for that because we've got, we're we're pretty clear. It's just what our pay, what our ranges will be in terms of what their weekly mileage is. And it'll be easy, fairly easy to move between them at some point. So what I would generally tell people is, hey, think about where you sit 
And if you need to post a question on the Facebook group and ask, hey, here's my profile. What do you think? We can answer that. But pick one. Correct. Stick with it Mm -hmm. for four to six weeks. Yep. See how things are going. Check in with your body. If you're feeling good, stay on it. Things start to feel like, hey, I'm a little in over my head. Then you can always back off. Or if you're feeling really good and things are just too easy, you can always ramp up. We can always migrate you to one of the others as we go. But don't, you know, kind of swap between the first you know, over the first few weeks, swap between, you know, two different ones trying to feel it out. It's like pick one, choose a horse, get on that horse, ride it for four to six weeks, and then we can always migrate you one way or the other depending on how you feel. Yeah, I think that's a way better that's way better saying it that way than what I entered with is don't make a choice. I think you said it right. So so I retract my well, statement you didn't, you before. You didn't say don't make a choice. You, I think you're the way I interpreted what you said was don't worry about it too much. Correct. Because ultimately we can move it. Right. And that you just reiterated. You yeah. said it in a much better way than I said it. Let's <laughs> I, just say that. I just that. wanted to make sure that <laughs> yeah. they didn't like swap from day to day. Correct. Know? I think that's really important. Yes. Uh, so, you know, pick a horse, ride it for those four to six weeks. We can always adjust. But those are some things to think about. And if you're still not clear, again, post a message on our Facebook group. Or if you haven't signed up yet and you want to know what might be best for you, then email me, Chris at Rogue Running. So that's the levels. The other question here is kind of training program structure. And we'll give you a day-to-day schedule for all three of those levels. Now, that may need to be modified, which we'll talk about in a second for your individual needs. But let's talk first about just what to expect from that weekly schedule. For us, as marathon coaches, philosophically, Steve, we believe in at least five days a week of running for any marathoner but most of these will be built around a six day a week schedule with an optional day where you can either run or do some cross training for that for that uh that sixth day you know so but we want people to run five or six days a week generally if you're signing up we believe in volume aerobic fitness you've got to do the work to do that so we're going to ask you to do five or six days with those you know, at the beginner or intermediate level, having an option on another day to either take off, do some cross training or run if they're feeling like it. So that's one point to make. The second point to make, you know, there's going to be three critical days in the schedule. And we're going to, because we have to, we're going to pick days to put them on. But we'll talk in a second about how you can modify if you need to for your own needs. Those three days are going to be Tuesday, which for the purposes of our base macro is going to be your quality training day. What do we mean by quality, Steve? Because some people call it speed workouts. Some people call it track workouts. We call it quality for a specific reason. Talk about what that day is going to be like. That day will be the best way to find a phrase it in one term. It would be multi-paced. So we're going to work on a wide variety of different paces that touch point on basic physiological systems that we think are most critical and most crucial to creating the best race result for a marathon. That means, and and this confuses people sometimes, they're like, why when I'm training for a marathon am I running 5K pace? Well, because it's a really important component to being a great marathoner. Do we do a lot of 5K stuff? Probably not, but we do some. And so you should expect to see a wide range of, of paces um, in these workouts. Now, sometimes that'll be one pace for an entire workout. Sometimes it'll be multi paces within the workout. But the key thing is here is that we're going to be running most quality will be at your marathon goal pace or faster. So you'll be running fast. That's where it gets the term, the generic term quality. Um, so, which is very different from the easy run days and the other days that we'll be talking about. So generally it's picking it up, getting specific with paces and um, and many times it'll be some kind of what we would call interval, which means that you will be working hard for a period of time and then you'll be taking a break and running and recovering for a little while. And then you'll do again another bout of work at of whatever paces we're doing and you're going to take a break. Almost all of our workouts have some version of that in it. And, you know, those speed workouts come in different forms. Sometimes they'll be track based, although we'll always give you an option for a non-track if you don't have access to a track you don't necessarily have to but we'll give you a non-track option if you need that but track some fartlek some road intervals some long sort of steadier tempo style running might be involved as well so basically that's the day you run fast and for 
the advanced athlete, there may be a Thursday quality workout periodically, and we might also work some quality work into their long run at some point. We will. Regularly, we yes. will. <laughs> You're right. Not might. We will. <laughs> so there will be quality components for those intermediate advanced athletes in other days as well, but Tuesday is the primary quality day. Thursday, across all of the programs, all the levels, is going to be what we call our medium long run day. This, to me, I, I tell my athletes all the time, this is the the unsung hero of a good marathon training cycle. Is doing a and f- and for them, I advise you know eight to eight to twelve miles, easy, long, comfortable pace on a day that's not your long run, your quality day, is that aerobic building block that is so critical and often overlooked in terms of its importance in a good marathon training cycle. That's the day that oftentimes you don't have a group to run with. Maybe you're doing it on your own, sort of these silent miles outside of the, the glamour <laughs> of, of uh, normal day-to-day training where you become a champion. Puts the tiger in the cat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's going to be our Thursday day it's and we're going to ask you to build if you haven't done you know kind of an eight to 12 mile medium long run in the middle of a week we're going to ask you to do that and do it at easy efforts in order to build that aerobic system miles make the champion as we say and again for the advanced group sometimes you'll have quality integrated within that on a thursday saturday the other most saturday for the our purposes although this can flip to sunday if you need to is our long run day you're going to run 126.2 miles you got to cover the distance you got to be ready to cover the different distance so we'll be doing our 20 and 20 plus mile you know long runs building to it on that day and also for those intermediate advanced runners working in some occasional quality work to those long runs so they're ready for their paces that they need to run to get their goal not necessarily an unsung hero of the program because everybody knows it's a signature in most marathon training cycles, but it might be more important than the quality day. Oh, I'm a hundred percent convinced it is. Then, then people realize. Yeah. Well, I, it is by far the most important workout of, if I had to just do one thing, we would just run a long, we would just do long run. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that's the, that's the key. And, um, I, I, I think this is an important thing. Um, this is the one, one thing that's not going to change. I mean, the, the volumes will change, but in, in level of importance, beginner, intermediate, advanced level, the most important day of the week is your long run day and make sure that no matter what happens, that that day is that you're, that no matter what we're doing on a Tuesday or a Thursday, that it's not, that it's not unnecessarily impacting that day, right? I usually flip this when I talk to most of my athletes. It's like, don't let your long run day or don't let your mileage affect your, affect your quality day. But that's because I got a bunch of type A crazies who, <laughs> who have a tendency to run everything too fast. But it, it's important that that day that you're always looking at that day and, and circling it on your weekly schedule. And the other days are really what I would call supplemental to that really crucial. And it comes back to something that we've talked about many times, Chris, that... What does the race require? And we know that the race requires 26.2 miles. And we're not doing a half marathon program in this. We're not writing a 10K program. This is a marathon training program. And so be, we will, our main focus will be on this long run day. And your main focus should be on this long run day. Yep. And so, kind of that, and so then the other days, so those are the, the three key days, quality Tuesday, medium long run Thursday, Saturday long run. The other two or three days will be easy and recovery days to kind of fill our mileage, so to speak, all important mileage in order to get the right recovery response that you need and to get the right aerobic development, all important mileage, but days where it's more about running easy and being feeling good and, and comfortable and recovering from a previous hard day's work than it is necessarily getting a very specific pace out of it. So those will be your other days. And you know, we'll have those on the schedule, but we'll give you kind of some instructions about how you can move those around if you need to, to kind of rearrange things. And so that's a good time now to talk about how to modify. And there's no way to answer every individual scenario. So we're not going to, we're going to give a couple rules of thumb here. When you're looking at that schedule, 
And there's generally two that I give my athletes to start with. One is that generally any two days on the schedule can flip next to each other, can flip. Now, I don't want you flipping two days back to back, but generally any two days on the schedule can flip. So if Tuesday quality doesn't work for you and Wednesday's better for whatever reason, that's okay. If Wednesday medium long run is better and you need to move your quality workout to Monday, that might be okay as long as your Saturday is your long run and you're not doing your long run on Sunday. So generally any two days on the schedule can move that's point one can flip that's point one but point two being the caveat which is that but you need to have an easy or recovery day between every hard day or long day so you shouldn't do quality back-to-back with medium long run you shouldn't do quality back-to-back with long run you shouldn't do medium long run back to long with long run it's like you should always have a filler or easy day recovery day between those three big days and as long as you follow those rules then generally you're okay. Now that doesn't apply necessarily to every possible scenario we could think of, but I think it generally gets the point across. Yeah, and I have one more rule to add to that. Okay. And that's if you get to Wednesday and you can't get your quality in from Tuesday, don't make it up on Thursday. Let it go. Let Let it go. go. You had to have a real, and I like to say this all the time, if you missed it, you better have had a good fucking reason for missing it. If you don't have a good reason for missing it, shame on you. <laughs> shame on you. Commit to the program and do the program. You're training for something. Do the work. If you do miss, then you probably had a really good reason for missing. And trying to fit it in and shove it in and shoehorn it somewhere is going to affect what happens on Thursday. And it's going to affect what happens on Saturday. And again, those are the most important days of the week. So, And it also holds for the long run. If you can't get your long run, you can do a long run on a Friday. You can do a long run on a Sunday. But... If you get to Monday, don't mess with Tuesday. So leave it alone. You missed it for whatever reason. You went to a wedding. It was it, you had travel was crazy. You just couldn't get it in. But listen, that's life. You're gonna people in this group are gonna miss workouts. But you just leave it alone and carry on. Um, that is the probably one of my yep. top three biggest pet peeves as a coach is. People so, so slavish to what we say. And we should probably feel good about it. It's like, coach told me to do X, so I absolutely have to do X. But I don't, I don't want that. I want you to be, we want you to be able to think. We want you to be able to work on your feet. And we know that life's going to get in the way. Whether it's travel, whether it's life, whether it's sickness, there are going to be things that you miss. Don't worry. We do a wide range of paces. You'll get many, many opportunities to get long runs in. We are going to come at you fast and furious and consistently. Miss it, move on, carry on. Absolutely. That is hugely critical. The number one reason I see athletes get injured, besides the traditional thing of, hey, I built too fast, too quickly or whatever, is when they do two hard days or two hard and long days back to back. Never fails. It will get you every time. Yeah, and it doesn't get you right away. It gets you two weeks, three weeks, right. four weeks right. later because you don't you. ever recover from it. It catches up to you. So, so no makeup days. If you miss it, you no miss it. Days. No one workout is more important than ruining your entire training cycle. Like I'm not a big – Tracksmith has got this big thing, no days off. I'm not <laughs> a fan of that. Anybody that knows me knows I am not a fan that, of that. But I would prefer it to say – Honestly, what I prefer is there are no makeup days. If it said no makeup days, I would be 100% in on it. But I don't like the idea that there's no days off. We do have days off in our program. so Yes. So that's sort of what you can expect from the training schedule itself. If you have other individual questions about how to modify things, then certainly do ask those on the Facebook group. Or, again, if you're kind of still looking and interested in the program, email me at chris at Rogue Running. Finally, with this episode, we're going to talk about week one, basically, what the group can expect from the week. And we'll start with the the workout. So workout number one on Tuesday, as it's written, and the schedule will be this week. We've got a classic workout that is one of the most versatile workouts out there, Steve, Yes, it's, it's a favorite of ours. We'll give you both the track version and the fartlek version, but it's the famous straights and curves. I love this one because it can be used both as a sharpening tool, but it can also be used as a recovery workout. You could use it in so many different ways. It can also be the hardest workout that you've ever done in your <laughs> exactly. life. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> depending on how you take those curves. So right. talk about 
straights and curves, what we want them to do, give them the track version first, and then we'll talk about how they can modify if they don't have a track. All right, so I'll talk first about what straights and curves is, then I'll go into a basic, basic format, um, and then we'll and then we'll cover any other bases that we miss with that. So the first thing is, what is straights and curves? Straights and curves is a track workout, most optimally done on a track, but we'll give you an option for not doing it on the track. Um, and basically, you go to any track, whether it's cinder or dirt or track surface or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Almost all tracks, all tracks are very similar. They're around. Oh, another key, key caveat way to it, it should be a 400 meter track if meters. at all possible. Yeah. We have a couple of 300 meter tracks and even a couple of 200 meter tracks here in Austin, and we don't really recommend straights and curves there. They're really hard to implement. Um, if you only have a short distance track available to you this week, uh, do the other option. So a 400 meter track. So you, you will basically start um, at the start line of a track, which will usually put you about at the, at the, at almost at the end of the long straightaway. And you'll start there. Um, it doesn't matter which side of the track you start on, whether it's the start finish line or the 200 meter position on the track, but you'll jog slowly as easy as possible. What I like to call pitter pat jog, which means very little effort is put into it. You're just barely moving, but you're not walking, you're running. And then you do that on the curve. And then when you hit the straightaway, when you hit the line, that's the straightaway, you build into a stride and you build up what a build means. That means that you slowly, but surely accelerate throughout that 100 meter distance now some of you won't have the the facility yet to build to build all the way and hit your peak pace right at the end because it takes a little bit of practice to do that but ultimately that's what we want you to do we want you to get so good at it that you can moderate your pace so that you're getting a little faster a little faster you're probably going from you know what i would say 50 percent effort when you start all the way to about 95 or 98% effort. For our first, for this first time, we don't want you to go over 95%. What does 95% mean? 100% is as fast as you can possibly run. 95% is, it's really fast, it feels really fast, you might feel like your legs are about to fall off, but you're not straining, stretching, pushing. Your face, your neck, your shoulders are relaxed. So you're gonna build. Most of you all will build and probably get about halfway to three quarters of the way before you reach that 95% effort. And then you just hold that. And then when you hit the end of that straightaway, which means before it starts to curve or where there's a line, you take your foot off the gas pedal and you slowly bring it back to that pitter-pat jog. This is crucial, Chris. Don't slam on the brakes when you finish that straightaway. Take the foot off the gas pedal and let that slowly go down. And then you'll basically probably get to about halfway before you're back at that halfway through that curve where you're back at pitter pat jog. And then you'll hold that until you get to the line. Do not start. This is one of the things I get. I have a problem with with people with straights and curves. They start anticipating the straightaway. Don't anticipate the straightaway. Wait for yourself to get all the way to the straightaway at some key point wherever there's a line there or whether you have to you don't want it to be on the curve, and then you repeat it. And you're basically going to do this straights and curves. You're going to go stride the straightaway, build up in the straightaway, and jog the curve. Stride a straightaway, jog a curve. And we're going to do, for everybody, beginner all the way to advanced, we'll do, at, to start, one set, of which equals eight laps. It'll be two miles, 3,200 meters, eight laps on a track. Um, so the format is that basically eight laps of straights and curves for our intermediate and advanced runners. And that's all we've got for the beginner runners. You're going to get two miles in for that workout. Um, our intermediate and advanced runners can do a second set. So that second set, they'll take a full five minutes of recovery. Um, it's very important not to take less than five minutes for this. We want you to get recovered. It's okay if you need to take up to 10 minutes to recover. One piece of note, eight minutes is full recovery. You can't get any more recovered in a 30-minute window, then you, you you could wait 30 minutes and you'd be the same way that you are at eight minutes. So anybody that's wondering, eight minutes is full recovery. In this workout, we'd like you to be at five, but you can go all the way up to eight. It doesn't matter. Then you're going to do another set of either four laps or eight laps. And that doesn't matter whether intermediate or advanced. I'm okay. It's not saying intermediates do four more laps and advanced do eight more laps. What I'm saying is that intermediate, all of them can choose to go where they want to there. Okay? So it's two sets of straights and curves to the two time and a set is eight laps and then the second set it's either four to eight laps 
And that four days should really be depending on how they feel. Correct. They it should feel be happening. Good, if they yes. feel good and smooth, you should feel in control the entire workout, no matter what. If you start to get wonky and your form starts to break down, you should call it. And if that happens at lap five of the second set, then stop there. You don't want to get to the point where you're losing control in this workout at any point. A couple of other things I'll say, and then I want to talk warm up and cool down, and then the fartlek version. Two keys to me to this workout. One is that you go easy enough on the curve. The classic make mistake I see as a coach is people letting off the gas but still trying to maintain some pace and going too fast on the curve. So they're not actually getting enough recovery before they start the stride again. This should be glacially slow, pitter-patter, as you say, easy, easy jog around the curve. Second thing I will say is that I find in executing this workout that my pace as I warm into the workout will get a little bit faster. That 95% might be a little faster in the later laps than it is in the early laps. And I need to give myself, my body, the ability to kind of warm and progress into the strides. So the, my initial strides are generally pretty conservative as I kind of feel things out. And then as I get warmed up and in the rhythm of the workout, then my later laps will be a little bit faster on the stride. So you should see some progression as you go as you warm into the workout, but it should always be in control, relax and control. And each of these, you should be thinking about good, strong form, tall, light, and relaxed. As John Strupp likes to say, these strides should be tall, light, and relaxed. And once you lose control, stop the workout. Now, warm up and cool down. What should they do for that? Well, some of this will depend upon where they're at volume wise. So, um, and we'll indicate that in the training schedule that they'll, there may be some flex, but absolutely. And, and one of the things that we, Chris and I haven't talked about yet, I'm just realizing now is, are we basing this on miles? Are we basing this on minutes? And my guess is we're probably going to be basing this really on miles, but on what, and, and by that, what I mean when I say that, I mean that is this entire program going to be minutes or miles? And we usually always go with miles, but a lot of times I like to tell people in their warm-up to do it based on minutes and then just add that mileage to what it is. Everyone will do at least 20 minutes of warm-up for this. Um, and, and those folks, so the minimum is a 20-minute warm-up, um, which will likely for many people, you know, that, that depends on your speed. If you're running, if you're a faster runner, that might be, you know, you might get uh, just under three miles. For other folks, they, just, they might only get two miles. But it's going to be somewhere between two and three miles for most of our runners. But that needs to be very easy, conversational, start off really, really easy, let your work your body out, and then and but do not be trying to pick it up at all. You're gonna get plenty of fast running in your straights and curves. So twenty minutes is probably the warm-up, but I'll but we'll probably be letting people range that all the way up to thirty. It's a key point here, Chris. It's really important when we give you a warm-up time or distance that you don't try to tack the weekly miles that you need to get in for the week on the front end of this. We've optimally lined up warm-up pro processes. So in this case, doing a five-mile warm-up before doing this workout is a no-no. It's not smart. I would rather you, if you need to get your 10 miles in for the day or whatever it is you need and you're only doing a two miles of work, guess what? You, you need to add that on on the back end. So that would be cool down, right? But don't add your, week, don't add your mileage on our Tuesday quality days on the front end. Just do the, the prescribed warm-up time or distance, do your workout, and then get the mileage that you need for the week or for that day on the back end of it. In almost every case, that's the way we want you to do it. We'll, we'll tell you explicitly. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there may be. I come up with crazy shit all the time. Mm -hmm. So there may be something where I say, let's do it on the front end and not on the back end. But 99% of the time, Chris, we're going to ask them to really be strict about that warm-up time or distance and then get the other mileage they need on the back end. And the one, one question, and so then cool down, you know, I would say at least 20 minutes again, but more if you need it, as you just said. Right. Now, one question people might be wondering is, you know, in a lot of traditional base building cycles, you just run easy for a few <laughs> weeks. So why are we putting s some quality in this week one? 
So I like the way I like to say this, and the way I use this phrase is: we got to turn the lights on, right? You've got a uh, you've got a really cold, dark space, and we need to start getting the lights on to figure out what's going on with that body. So we believe that w- waking the body up, getting it to start moving, and to to go at pace at a we're going to do a wide variety of paces just to turn everything on in your body. Um, another reason is is because. It's specificity-based, the way our peaking process goes, Chris. And so you'll see us do more faster stuff at the beginning of this program and then more longer, harder stuff in the middle to the end of it. But we'll never get away from doing some fast stuff throughout the whole cycle. We're a multi-paced system. We're everything all the time in our system. But there's, we like to basically tell folks, we're going to turn the lights on and get you running and we're going to get you rolling. Yeah, this is about efficiency and speed development Correct. so that you're ready for the work later. Not really any specific, super specific purpose from an aerobic system standpoint. It's more of a turn the lights on, make sure the nerves and muscles and tendons are ready to fire in the ways that we're going to ask them to later. And you're going to be doing a time trial pretty quick here, so <laughs> which you made you don't know about yet, but it's coming. And so you want to make sure you're ready for sneak that. Sneak peek. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that's workout one. The other days of the week that are on the schedule, you'll you'll be running easy. So one thing I wanted to address is not necessarily the specific miles on those days because they're on the schedule, but how should they be thinking about pace right now on the other days? So if they already are experienced marathoners, um, the easiest and most appropriate way to do it, and I'm going to do this initially, um, the flip of how I would really like to do it, just because people like to know a number, one minute slower than your marathon goal time is the fastest you should be running on an easy run. The absolute fastest on an easy run. There is no such thing as too slow. As you've said, Chris, before, sometimes (laughs) you've started runs that are at 10-minute or 11-minute mile pace, and you're a 245 marathoner. So take that into consideration. That means that your your easy run pace is generally in the 7 to 7.15 to 7.20 range, and yet sometimes you're running two minutes, three minutes slower. You don't want to be doing that all the time, but you you don't want to be running 10-minute mile easy runs, but... You basically want to be at least a minute slower, and I usually like to tell people, once you're warmed up and rolling, not much more than two minutes slower than your marathon goal time. Preferably, Chris, what we really like people to do is not worry about their pace necessarily and get out, stay, maybe maybe pick a pace for the first mile to be sure they're not going too fast, turn the watch off, not pay so much attention to it, and run by feel and run by making themselves feel comfortable and ready for the next session they have coming up, whether that's Tuesday or whether that's Thursday or whether that's Saturday, that they're basically using that opportunity to flush the system of its toxins, allow it to get recuperated and recovered, and preparing itself for that next workout. I like to tell people you should always feel better at the end of an easy run than you feel at the beginning of it. If you don't, then there's something wrong. Absolutely. That's that's huge and this is something that I have to hammer home all the time with athletes because it's so counterintuitive that if I run slower that somehow I'll be faster later but it's such an important point and it's foundation this is like first principles especially in this period because we're going to be applying stresses through this periodized program and we need you to get out and be consistent have and healthy and strong as you start with us and some of you will be building mileage from where you are now and as a part of that, you have to run easy so that you can stay healthy for work later. And in addition, by the way, as I eloquently described in episode seven and in the recap on f- episode 50, what we're trying to do is change your body from the inside out. So it's mm-hmm. not just about staying healthy. It's also about fundamentally building your aerobic system, the mitochondria in the cells, the blood vessels in your muscles, the red blood cells in your blood itself, the way your lungs process oxygen, all of those things. We're trying to fundamentally change, and those things don't fundamentally change at faster paces where you're, where you're tweaking the engine. They're, this is about building the engine, so you got to slow down, especially now. And you know there'll be a time and a place later where we kind of give them more prescriptive guidance on some of these easy run days, but for now, it's easy conversational pace, at least a minute per mile slower than your marathon target. The most important thing you're going to do in this entire training cycle is run one minute or more slower than your marathon goal pace. That's the most important thing you're going to do this entire training program. The most important 
And that so then all of a sudden it reframes this, Chris, to saying that there are you saying that, that my most important day of the week that most important days of the week are my easy run days? Damn straight. Maybe so. Pretty much. That in combined with your long run, yeah. it's the most important thing. So keep that in mind that some people think that they're not acquiring any benefit from running easy, whereas we know fundamentally fundamentally and physiologically you absolutely are getting the most important, critical, crucial physiological adaptations running at these easy paces. I like to say you got to go slow to go fast, and it plays out time and a time, time and a time again with athletes that I coach. So that's guidance on pace. You've got the one quality workout, and then, and then pace on the other days. We didn't mention, but need to mention the alternative for the straights and curves. If you don't have a track. What you're going to do is the same kind of concept, but on the road. So pick, ideally, a relatively flat loop that you can do with a 20-minute warm-up. And then, you know, really any distance run after that where you can work in a fart lick. We're going to do 15 seconds on, striding, as we just described, on the roads. And then 45 seconds easy. So you're just going to alternate with your watch and timing it. 15 seconds, stride, hard. 45 seconds easy you'll do eight cycles of that for everybody and then those advanced and intermediate runners will do another four to eight cycles of that after a five minute either walk break or just really easy running for five minutes whatever it may be that 1545 will be your fartlek as an alternative if you're on a track ignore what chris just said <laughs> because you're going to start wanting to time your easy pitter pat jog to 45 seconds that's not what we're saying here make sure you hear us loud and clear right. <laughs> there is no time for your pitter pat jog or your super easy jog if you're on the track you're using 100 meters as your guide not 45 seconds yeah. very crucial and critical it's the reason we gave 45 seconds because it's a general average and it allows as much recovery as we really want to get in that window. If we do a minute, it's a little bit too long. If we do 30 seconds, it's a little bit too short. So that's why we chose the 45-second yeah. time frame. Only if you don't have a track. Correct. Very key point. All right, so a couple other things for this, and then we'll wrap this uh, first episode of the training series. We want to mention purpose. We're not going to go into a ton of it today. We've talked about it in depth on episode 11 and on other episodes. As we said at the top, this is going to be mental as much as it is physical. So you need to go back, and if you haven't already, listen to episode 11. And those that are going to be in the program or are in the program, start thinking about and jotting notes down to yourself on your purpose. Because we're going to ask all of you in the program to, to get something down on paper and then to share it with everybody in the group through that Facebook page, which I know is going to sound really scary for some of you sharing some of your deep, deep, dark thoughts, but it's both going to help you better connect to why you're doing this, but also help us as a group learn about each other and grow and support each other. So that homework is coming. We will give you a few weeks to kind of figure that out and start working on it, but we want you to make sure you go back and listen to episode 11 and then start thinking on your own about what this means to you. Finally, and last point before we wrap, Steve, kind of our tip of the week, and we've already alluded to it a little bit talking about the schedule and then the paces on the schedule, but the number one thing you can do above any single workout, above any single long run, and it starts now from day one, is be consistent. Miles make the champions. The more consistent you are from day to day, from week to week, from month to month in this program, the more you will get out of it. That you know, and if that means skipping a day here and there, that's okay. But ideally, you're doing as much as you can getting in the days. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes that means, you know, flipping days if we need to, as we talked about. But no makeup days. It also might mean if we have a six mile run on the schedule, but you can't do it, doing three miles instead, because doing something is always better than doing nothing. So. Sometimes when we can't do things, people kind of throw their hands up and they just don't run at all. But we're going to say, get out there, get something done because something is better than nothing. And that consistency, and again, this is a counterintuitive to some, is, is almost more important now than it is April 1st, that first week in April, because we're building the foundation now. The more consistent you are with your mileage now, the stronger you will be, the higher your potential will be later. And so that consistency is so important starting from the very beginning. And some people kind of talk themselves into this idea of 
hey, the marathon's not for five months. If I miss more days now, it's okay. I'll make it up later. But that's backwards thinking. We've got to build a big, large foundation for this pyramid we're building, and it starts now. Yeah, and this is mindset, folks. This is approach. This is attitude and philosophy about what you're doing. You spent money on this program, or you're going to spend money on this program, see it through. And that's another way to sort of flip this script on terms of what consistency is. It's a decision on the outset to complete the schedule as closely as possible, and that will be consistency. So what is consistency? Do what we wrote for Monday. Do what we wrote for Tuesday. Do what we wrote for Wednesday. Do what we wrote for Friday or for all those days as they fit for you. And guess what? Guess what? Then you're being consistent. But the most important thing is set your mindset to that. And if we get you formed into that mindset of following the plan and sticking to my schedule and being as consistent as possible, you're going to feel a lot more relaxed about the days and the times when you have to miss occasionally because you know you've done the body of work. The people I always see who are most nervous about days off and things that they've missed are people who missed their shit early. And they realize they don't have any wiggle room. So make that decision right now that you're going to follow the schedule to as closely as possible. Um, and you know, I, I, I like to say this sometimes with people like they want to take a break from drinking alcohol. Right. And they're like, well, I can't take a break right now because, you know, I'm gonna have a wedding in a couple of weeks. I can't take a break right now because some, I have, something's coming up. Right. Well, you 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 can't take a break on this right now. You need to be set and rolling right now from the start. Start it awesome. Start it immediately and get it rolling. This is what we call checking the boxes. Yep. Start checking the boxes. And if you need to print out the schedule, place it prominently in your home, on your bathroom mirror, on your refrigerator, whatever it is, and literally start checking off these days. That's going to be the number one metric that determines your outcome at the end of this. So consistency is king. On future episodes, we'll be layering in a bunch of tips. I know some people will have questions about, hey, what stretching should I be doing? What strength should I be doing? What other things I should be doing? For now, what we want you to be doing is running easy and doing the quality workout and any other routines you may have already established that support your running, but don't worry about layering in any extra stuff right now. We'll be talking about that stuff as we go. I think that covers it, Steve. Episode one of this training series. We're super excited about it. Any final thoughts before we send them off? Just fucking run. Hell yeah. <laughs> there you go. From the man himself. If you have questions that haven't been answered here or if you're curious still about signing up and have a few other questions feel free to email me chris at roguerunning.com otherwise if you're already in we're excited to get you on this journey and we'll be talking to you every week from now until the big days in april and may so we will talk to you soon